Thanks for popping into Diving Into Deep Waters. I'm your host, Erin Rowling, and I'm so honored you have chosen to spend some time with me as we discuss this week's topic that might stretch us a bit. I know it did for me. And just know you're not diving in alone. I'm right here with you. So let's jump in. So uh, first of all, I am starting to rethink sending my kids to school for the simple fact that they have grown significantly over since COVID hit and uh, we went clothes shopping and none, as you know, none of the dressing rooms are open. So, you know, you can't go in and try anything on and, uh, you know, I keep thinking, well, if we just stayed home, nobody would care if their clothes were too small. <laughs> they can just stay in their pajamas all day, which some of you moms are like, yes, that's why we're staying home. Not maybe why you're staying home, but it's, it's a plus. Um, but obviously if you're sending your kids to school, they need to be wearing the right size clothes. We, we need to take care of that. So, um, my 11 year old, who's probably 5'10 by now, Um, we don't have any idea what size pants she is. I kind of had an idea because she was getting some clothes from her sister, but she's in the junior section now. And so it's just hard to know. Um, you can't like, especially if you have girls and they wear like jeggings, you, you can't tell by looking at that pant if it's going to fit them or not, because they're kind of stretchy and, um, she really likes the, like the black capri legging things. She has a million of those. So what, what size is she? I don't know. And, um, so I, of course, being the kind of mom that I am, we're at Kohl's and (laughs) I took a couple pair of pants and I found a little corner in the store. And I was like, here, try these, these over your shorts and they're jegging. So they're like tight anyways. And so she gets them on. They're too small. Like she can't even zip them. They're way too small. And so I'm like, okay, take them off. Well, she ends up like, do you know how like when your kids take their clothes off weirdly sometimes? Well, that's what she was doing. And she's like, got these pants like stuck on her feet and she can't get them off. And so I'm like, okay, you just need to sit down and I'll pull them off of you. And as she's like sitting on the ground, I'm like forcefully pulling these jeans off of her and they're stuck on her feet. The sales associate walks up behind me and I'm like, I'm just waiting. I'm like bracing myself for her to just tap me on the shoulder and be like, ma'am, we do not try on clothes in the store. Hence, that's why the, <laughs> the fitting rooms are closed, ma'am. And I, so I like grab a sweater off the rack. I'm like trying to hide her. There was no way that lady did not see what we were doing, but she so graciously left us alone. She didn't say a word. And even at my attempt of trying to look like I was hiding it, I don't know. And my, even my son goes, mom, nice move on trying to pull things off the rack and be like, hey, Abby, do you like these? He's like, you could see that she was taking a pair of pants off and you're pulling them off of her. Needless to say, found out what size pants she was. So my kids will have the right size clothes when they go back to school. And, um, but I just want to tell you, if you didn't get your kid the right size clothes, 
or um, someone told me that their niece's son went to, they like went to go put a pair of pants on the morning of school and realized they were two inches too short. If that's you, no one's going to judge. We, we can't judge because it is what it is. And um, it just makes the school year more fun. <laughs> and when they're little, do they really care anyways? No, they don't care. So hopefully it'll be hot because my son doesn't have pants. Hopefully it'll be hot and he can just wear shorts. Um, so yeah, that was our little experience of shopping for back to school. It's just, it's just weird. It's just a weird year. And I think we can all attest to that no matter what. It's just so weird. But we're going to make it through. It's 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 gonna be it's gonna be great. That's I'm not going into it. Oh, like oh my gosh, it's gonna be no. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be a great year. That's what we're believing for. Um, so recently, me and my daughter were talking about um, how she uh, needed to share with some some stuff with her friend that, um, and she just was like, I just don't know how he's gonna take it. I really feel like I need to like bring some stuff up and having that conversation with her kind of stirred up a thought of, are we open to being corrected or teachable? Like, are we as people, as humans, (laughs) are we open to that? And in that same week, um, Paul and I were talking about the podcast and he was saying, you know, and he was saying a lot of positive things and, but he got to kind of maybe what I was taking as a negative. (laughs) I don't think he thought it was a negative, but it really made me like kind of pause and think about what he was saying. And at first I was a little like maybe offended. I don't know if offended is the right word, but, um, but But I realized later when I was like thinking about it, um, I realized our human nature has a hard time being like corrected or teachable. Like we, I don't think we're good at it. Like, I don't think we're good at it at all. Like if you think about it, if someone has anything to say that isn't like gushing over how great you are and like how amazing you are, what a fantastic job you you did. Like we kind of get our backs up. And if if they're saying anything with even, like I'm talking even like a little ounce of negative feedback or whatever, we we kind of are kind of like when the cat <laughs> cats are like hiss and <laughs> get their backs up they're like I think we're like that as humans um, sometimes. I mean, we're not usually too excited to be corrected or told that we're missing something. Uh, that, And we have a hard time just like opening ourselves up to any critique given by someone else. And um, I shared in, in one of my earlier podcasts in the marriage dating and other things how my friend in the first year of our marriage... Um, pointed out that I was putting down my husband in front of others. And I just remember being so hurt when she brought that up to me. And I was bent on proving her wrong. Like I was just, I was not receptive at all to what she was saying. Um, Like I totally closed her off when she brought it up. I I was like that 
cat. Like, what? What? What are you saying to me? And only to find out she was completely right in what she was saying. And maybe if I had read the verse, Proverbs 19, 20, that says, listen to advice and accept discipline. And at the end of it, you will be counted among the wise. I think I would have been quicker to receive the advice she was offering me and accept that I needed to change something because if you're that kind of person, you're counted among the wise. And I don't know about you, but I think I would like to be counted among the wise. (laughs) But in order to be counted among the wise, you have to be quick to receive advice and accept discipline. Now, I'm not going to sugarcoat this and say that that Obviously, that's not an easy thing to do. I think we have all pretty much established that in our mind. That's not an easy thing to do. Um, And I think it's one of the hardest things we have to do is to accept correction and and be willing to be teachable. Uh, So like at our church, when people come to our church and they want to be involved in ministry, one of the biggest things we look for in a person is are they teachable and can they handle being corrected? And mainly why that's so important to us is because in our years of serving under different pastors and different leaders, which we have done for years um, before we planted our own church, um, it that was one thing we had to learn to do as we were under different, we were under leaders that we agreed fully with And we were under leaders we didn't fully agree with. And yet we put ourselves and subjected ourselves in a good way, submitted ourselves to the leadership that was over us and, um, you know, allowed ourselves to be in that place of being corrected. And and I will say that we still continue to do that. (laughs) That's not just like a one-time thing. Like, oh, I've had my correction. I'm done for my life. Or uh, I'm, I learned in one time to be teachable. If only it were that easy. But one of our biggest turnoffs in a person, um, is someone who comes along and they don't listen to what you say and they never want any negative feedback. They really resist it. Um, I remember we had a lady who wanted to get involved in our church. And, you know, when people want to get involved, you're excited because they're excited to be involved. But things can unfold quickly. And um, she started doing things at first, like getting involved, and it was great. And then uh, she started to do things and not run anything by us, which was very awkward because people would say, oh, I heard there was a garage sale. And I'd be like, what? Now, as a leader in a church, you should know what's happening in your church. (laughs) So I was like, okay, this person is planning stuff. We don't know anything about it. It wasn't even like, hey, you need to ask our permission. It was like, hey, just like, we just need to know. So, um, So we just asked her like, hey, can you just run stuff by us? Um, Like everything you're doing is great. Um, We appreciate it but we just need you to run it by us. So like we make sure that the church isn't double booked or that there's another event going on or, you know, all of these things. There's a lot that goes into planning events and, you know, do you have everything you need or we're not going to be around so we can't help you and 
just, just a lot of involvement. So we just need to be kept in the loop. Small correction, nothing major. We weren't rude or insensitive or anything like that. Well, we found out pretty quickly that she didn't like correction, like at all. And before we knew it, we were, I remember um, having to sit down with her and <laughs> it was like this full blown meeting where she basically told us off and that she didn't have to run anything by us because we were controlling and we were suppressing her. And I mean, it was just like, it turned out, it was not a fun meeting. Let's just say that. And it literally, like, I just remember when she stormed out of the meeting, just kind of sitting back and just being taken aback because it seemed like such a small thing. I'm like, all we asked her was to run it by us. <laughs> just let us know. Like every department, they just need to let us know. And apparently she wasn't able to do that. It wasn't a small thing to her. She thought we were tyrants and controlling her and like all this stuff. And um, let's just say she's no longer at our church. <laughs> That's how that one ended. But I've also um, seen the other side where we've had people that we've needed to share things with in the church. And I love these people. Like a pastor loves someone. Like if you are a teachable person, your pastor loves you, like literally, um, or your boss or, you know, Anybody that you're under is going to appreciate you if you're that kind of person um, because that kind of person humbles themselves. They change the thing that you've brought to their attention. And what's so cool is that when someone humbles themselves and receives that correction, the product of who they are as a person is amazing because it's like, Overnight, you just see like this growth in them and maturity and it all came out of their willingness to be teachable and corrected in that moment. And I've seen like, like hard corrections and I've seen light corrections and both yielding this fruit of someone just like growing in the Lord and growing in who they are as a person because their willingness and people like to be around them and work with them. I've seen people who maybe people didn't like to really work with them because of their attitude or how they were operating in, in their role. And then you just go in and you kind of correct it. And then to see like them, be I've seen people become new people, like literally seeing people become new people because their willingness to be corrected and they're teachable. It's amazing. It's like, it's, it's like the Lord's like, Hey, I'm gonna reward you for being teachable and, and allowing yourself to be corrected. Um, one of the, the things I love about my husband and I appreciate so much is his willingness to be teachable. Um, I think of how he is at our staff meetings or at, with our team or with our board, um, He'll have an idea <laughs> and he, when he shares it with us, he'll preference it with this. He doesn't ever come into a staff meeting or a board meeting and say, hey, this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it and that's it. 
No, he always comes in with this spirit of, he'll say, um, so I want to share something with you and I'm open to suggestions and thoughts because I want us all to be on the same page. I want everyone in this board or with our, um, our pastoral team, like, hey, I want you all to feel like good about this decision and feel like you can back it. And in, it's, it's always just like, because I think often with leaders, number one, leaders who are like that earn so much respect from those that are under them. And it's just, I always have like this little like proud wife moment of just how he subjects himself to a team and his willingness. And because I think he approaches it that way, everyone wants to get on board. Even when, I mean, most of the time we love his ideas. They're, they're great. Um, once in a while we have to tweak it, but, um, and sometimes we have to scrap it. There's, there's been a couple, but even when we've had to scrap it, he's like, okay, I, I, he's opened up the room where we can share, um, our hearts of like maybe why we think we shouldn't do something or why we think we need to tweak it or whatever. Like it's a safe space in which he's provided um, because he's humbled himself. It opens us up. And at times he's been like, well, I really think we should do this. And we started off saying, I don't know if we should do that. And by the end of it, because, you know, he's humbled himself to be receptive it helps us to humble ourselves when we need to be receptive to his ideas. Just a really cool thing to witness. And honestly, I've never been a part of a church that's operated that way. And so it's been really a neat thing. I love our staff meetings and I love our board meetings, which there have been times in the past I have not loved board meetings. And churches I've been a part of, I didn't love being, um, you know, part of the staff there because there wasn't a humbleness there and a willingness to, from the pastor himself. And you know, when a pastor is like that, it just trickles down to those in the church anyways. It's amazing how that works. But, and even when he preaches, I mean, he's, he always says, you know, if my wife is for me, everyone's against me. That's what I, I care about. Everyone could be for me. If my wife's against me, it doesn't matter. Um, and that's how he feels with his messages. I can tell he's always waiting for my kind of um, critique and not in a negative way, like just like the flow of it or um, I could have kind of done without this or, hey, that was a solid home run, which most of them are always a, a solid home run in my opinion. Um, that's just my opinion. And I'm not partial at all. <laughs> Actually, I'm probably one of the hardest people to impress with preaching, like to like preaching. I'm so difficult. I like very few pastors. I I like the pastors, the preaching. So he knows I'll be honest, but he, he always opens himself up to that. And, um, I need to get better at opening myself up when I ask him about worship, but (laughs) I'll get to that in a little bit. But, um, I, I want to talk a little bit about, like, I think we can confuse correction with criticism. And they are two totally different things. If you look at the definitions of criticism and correction, like criticism is negative and correction is positive. 
criticism is crippling and correction is life-giving. Um, criticism is destructive and correction is empowering. And one of the biggest distinctions between the two is motives. So when I say motives, um, like when my friend corrected me, her motive was to help me as a newly married woman nip something in the bud that could potentially hurt my marriage. That, that was her motive. She wasn't trying to belittle me or put me down. She was actually empowering me. She was telling me that um, something important that I needed to pay attention to. And actually, I can still, <laughs> you know, 23 years later, I still, when I go to say something sometimes in front of people, you know, which happens in marriage people, I can still hear her words. And it's, it's made me step back sometimes and say, okay, that's being critical here and you're being critical right now. And who knows, what if she, I, I just thought about this when I was putting this podcast together and I guess I, I never thought of this before actually till I was working on this. I've never thought about what if she hadn't corrected me. And it kind of just like rattled me a little bit. Like if she wouldn't have corrected me, would my marriage be the marriage that I have today? But she was willing to do it. And because of her willingness and my receptiveness, I mean, I obviously did receive it. It took me a little bit of time, but I did receive it. I became teachable about it. I think that had a great effect on my marriage. And I don't know, that's just something that kind of hit me when I was putting this together. And um, yeah, that would have been crazy if maybe my marriage, it could have failed because I was super critical. Because do you know that that is one of the biggest things in marriage? One of the things we hear the most in marriage counseling is that the critical, being critical, putting down, um, in front of others and in personal life. It is a huge problem in marriage. And it is, if you ask my husband, it's probably one of the biggest things that we deal with is people being critical. So that could have been been my marriage <laughs> had she not corrected me. Um, now, this is where I'm going to get a little transparent. <laughs> I, I'm kind of dreading this part a little bit because I was thinking of all the times that that people's motives have been wrong against me. And I was like, which one should I pick <laughs> to share? And I could hear God saying, uh, what about the times your motives have been wrong, Aaron Rowling? Oh, gosh. Oh, oh God. You get us every time. Yeah, because I have had the wrong motives. I have criticized others. And the motive has been selfish and self-serving. I'm just blocking it all to you right now. Um, and I, I know that about myself. I know I can be a critical person. And I envy those who are just so complimentary of others and just so not critical. And of course, my husband is one of those people. Um, I have to work at this all the time and it because it does not naturally come to me. Now, I could <laughs> say like, well, 
I have an eye for everything. I see everything. And like my eye does not miss much. It's, I've told you this before, where my husband's eye misses a lot. <laughs> so that could be my excuse, but I think it goes deeper than that. Even even uh, one of our pastors, Pastor Rob, if we bring up a situation, he just like literally always has a kind thing to say. Like that's his first go-to. And I'm like, no, 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 no. And he's like, oh, and I'm like, ah. Sometimes it irritates me because he's so nice. Um, but my husband is the same way. And I have to check my motives constantly. And doing this podcast, it's just like driving it home. And um, so if you're feeling a little bit of ouch right now <laughs> when I'm talking about being critical, uh, take heart because um, this is what what I felt was a good verse. I actually wrote this verse down and I didn't know where it was supposed to go in this message. It's in Hebrews 12, 6 and it says, the Lord disciplines the ones that he loves. Um, so if you felt a little bit of ouch, guess what? God loves you. <laughs> because he's disciplining you right now, just like he is me. So isn't that great? God loves us so much that he's saying, hey, I pay attention. Your little critical spirit, your little criticism, and your motives, what are your motives? And uh, another thing that I love that my husband does, man, this, this is becoming all about my husband. What is wrong with me? No, <laughs> um, he's just such a great guy. No, trust me, he has some things, but he is a great guy. But when he receives criticism, um, he he takes what the person says. And, th- and he's learned to do this. Um, ministry will teach you a lot, I will tell you that. And there is often many ways, <clears throat> excuse me, <coughs> I don't know where that came out of, many ways that people can come against you. And he'll say, is there any truth to what that person is saying? Now, the first time I heard him say that, he, I was just like, oh, that's, that's a great response. Until I tried it myself, until it was me who was in the hot seat. And I was like, is there any truth to what this person is saying? Because this person uh, said it to me in love. Don't you love that when (laughs) someone has something to tell you and it's in love that they want to tell you? Um, I just want to punch you. I don't know. That's what I want to do. You're telling me in love. This is the love that I feel back towards you. (laughs) That's terrible, isn't it? Oh, but it's true. Okay, it's just the truth. I'm just sharing you the truth of my mind. Um sometimes, listen, sometimes you say that about a situation and there isn't anything to take away from it. There, someone's just being critical. There's nothing you can really take away from it. It's someone's opinion. It's the wrong motive or preference. And let me just hang out there for a second on the preference. Um, because we often criticize out of our preference. Did you hear that? Because I think it's super important. We often criticize out of our preference. I've had people tell me that they don't like when I sing loud. Like sometimes, like when I'm leading worship, I just like, I get into Jesus and I probably sing very loud. Um, It's about Jesus, people. And I've had some people tell me that they don't like 
certain things I say when I'm doing worship because I really, you know, worship is more than just singing. Sometimes, you know, I feel like the Lord wants me to share something and sometimes I get really real and people have told me like when you kind of get real, like the presence of the Lord leaves. Like I've had lots of things said to me about when I lead worship and trust me, when I've heard those things, I've gotten hot. I've gotten mad. Um, and after digesting it with my husband, my poor husband, <laughs> he's, he's cause he's the one who has to like deal with the hotness, um, realized the criticism in the name of love was out of preference. Someone's speaking out of their preference and I can't change their preference. So there's nothing I can do about it. So there's not really anything to take away from it. Um, we have to be able to recognize that, that it, this is super important. We have to be able to recognize that when someone criticizes, criticizes us out of their preference, we do not need to go and change ourselves. Because what I, was find, I would find myself doing is when someone would criticize me out of preference, I, okay, I like to be liked. I don't want anybody to not like me. I don't want anybody to feel like I don't lead worship well. That's not something I want. So I would start to think, oh, what do I need to change? And I would begin to think I needed to change myself for someone's preference, which is not the reason why you change yourself. So that's a way that criticism can be very crippling to someone is when they begin to think they need to change something because it fits into their preference. And I'm not everyone's preference as a worship leader. I'm not. I'm not everyone's preference as a podcaster or as a preacher or as a pastor. Those, I may not be your preference. And guess what? I have to be okay with that. It's hard sometimes because I want you to like me, but... (laughs) Um, and I'm thankful that God has overruled people's preferences in my life. Um, when people didn't have a preference for my singing, God opened doors and he showed me, Hey, no, this is what I have for you. Walk through it. And the door wasn't like I had to like push it through. No, he opened it nice and wide and said, walk through. And, and preference can easily be destructive in your life, in my life. And we need to make sure that we're able to know the difference between something we need to take away from what somebody says and what is just someone's preference. Somebody who's listening needs to hear that. And maybe you need to look back at certain situations in your life and you need to say, was that someone's preference or did I really need to listen? Because there are things in my life that I definitely did because I wanted to make someone happy, not because I really needed to change something. So I'm just putting that out there. Okay, now what do we do when we've been criticized? And there's some truth to it. When we look at it and say, okay, what do I need to take from this? And we realize that there is something that we need to take from it and we need to change it. Um, I know that's not half of you listening. I know half of you are all perfect and you don't need to change anything in your life. This is for the other half of the people listening to the podcast. Wrong. This is for all of us. Um, I will tell you from experience, one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with was a situation like this, because in the moment, it requires a great deal of humbling, and humbling yourself is one of the hardest things in life. Um, There are very few times that I have 
cried with gut-wrenching cries. But after I was berated up one side and down the other side and told everything that I had done wrong and literally left me in a place that I have very few times sobbed in my life like this. And it literally left me like depleted and discouraged and just like I, I didn't even know which way was up after the situation. And I wanted to, we set up a meeting and I was like, in my mind, I wanted to go in that meeting and just like justify everything and tell them why I did what I did and da, 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 da. And God just spoke to my heart and he said, be humble, just humble yourself, go to it and be humble. And I was like, but God, I didn't humble, be humble. And that is such a hard thing to do. But you know what the amazing thing is? is I went into that meeting and I just realized there were things I did wrong. I wasn't innocent in the thing. Did I deserve to be rated? No. But I realized I had done things wrong and I did need to humble myself and It is amazing what humbleness will diffuse. It will diffuse the most, what feels like awful situation. If you just walk into it and you humble yourself, it's like what I thought was going to be like a degree of a hundred was a degree of like there was no degree because I went and humbled myself. They humbled themselves and we were able to work through it and have restoration through the process of it. It was amazing. I mean, like I was truly um, like in awe of how God went ahead of both of us and fixed that situation because of humbleness. Um, so I will say, well, I'm not a fan of the process of having to be humbled. It's not any fun. And, but I want to kind of circle back to the beginning of this podcast and um, where the topic began on how do we correct someone with love and our motive is pure and we feel to do it because like I said, like my friend felt to do it for me and because of our love for them and our care for that person. Well, I'm glad you asked. I know you've been wondering. Um, Again, I'm going to use my husband as an example I have learned so much from him in this area and how he approaches correcting people. Like I follow his example. And this is the thing. First, you love them. If we are correcting out of love, then that is the very place we need to start. If the intention is to help them to do better and be better, then we have to start with uplifting them first. We feed their soul before we go anywhere else. And we point out what that person brings to the table, whether it's to the table of our life, the table of our ministry, the table of our job, the table of friendship, whatever it is. First, we start there. What do they bring to the table? It says in Proverbs 12, 18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. The words we use are everything. You can bring life by how you approach someone or you can bring death. Correction is never fun. (laughs) 
Don't we all know it? But done in the right way, it will open our hearts to being teachable. I watched my husband do this so many times and he crooks with love and the outcome is almost always good. Now I say almost because <laughs> it's up to how we respond, up to us how we decide to respond to correction. You can't make someone respond the right way, but I've watched him do it in the right way. And most of the time people respond well. Now listen, this is something I've been evaluating in my own life. Um, sometimes I'm teachable. Sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I butt correction. I hate to be criticized, yet I criticize. The bottom line is I need to work on in this area. And it's not something that happens overnight. But the first step is to take inventory in our life and look at our life and say, am I teachable? Am I correctable? And also, when I need to correct someone, how do I do it? And, or if someone corrects me, you know, is it out of a personal preference or is it criticism? You know, deciphering the difference between the two because we need to do that. And listen, so the first step, inventory, and then God is, God is going to help us change. He never asks us to look at something in our life. And I've said this many, many times and then just say, good luck. No, he's going to help us walk through it and begin to have that process because it is going to be a process. You're not going to wake up tomorrow and be like, oh, I am so teachable. <laughs> not going to happen, people. And if it is, tell me how you did it. <laughs> listen, I go back and I listen to these podcasts. And every time I'm preaching to myself, like I'm so convicted when I listen to these podcasts on like every topic. So if you're feeling a little ouch, a little conviction, guess what? I'm right there with you. And we're just going to ask the Lord to help us to, to learn to, to be teachable and allow um, correction in our lives. And it'll just help us grow closer to him.